The End of the World Christ's mission into the world is presented in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted which did put all things under him. Then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him, that God may be all and in all. This declares that everything that is in the world that exercises rule, authority, or power, except as that rule, authority, and power come directly from God, and are used under his direction to promote the rule and dominion of God, is an enemy of God and his Son Jesus Christ, and must be destroyed by the rule and dominion of the Son before the kingdom and dominion of the world can be delivered up to the Father. Jesus Christ came into the world to fulfill the law, to take it out of the way, to offer it up to God on the cross, a fulfilled law. His first work was with his winnowing fan to purge out all the corruptions of the law and all additions thereto, and then to fulfill the pure, perfect law as it came from God. This he did. So now he came to rescue the world from the dominion of the evil one, and to destroy everything that exerts power or authority or dominion in the earth, and to establish the kingdom of God on earth. When that work is done, he will deliver the redeemed kingdom up to God the Father, and himself be subject to the Father, that God may be all and in all the only sovereign and ruler of the universe." Every being then will render homage and obedience to God. Then and only then will peace and harmony and good will dwell among men. And then every being in the universe will realize that his happiness will be promoted by promoting the happiness of every other being. And all guided by one law will work in unison and harmony to the promotion of the glory of God and the good of men. But before that consummation can come, Every plant not planted of God shall be rooted up. Every institution or organization of earth that exerts rule or authority or power must be destroyed. This earth in the material, moral, and spiritual world must become again a garden of God's own planting. Not a briar or thistle or thorn can grow in the material, moral, or spiritual world. Only those plants planted by the Father's hand and nurtured by the Father's love will grow in that redeemed and rescued Eden of God. Jesus Christ must put down and destroy all the powers and dominions of earth. He must reign until this is done. He reigns in his church, and his church is the kingdom established by God which shall break in pieces and consume all earthly kingdoms, and which shall fill the whole earth and itself stand forever. Christ's mission, the mission of his kingdom, is to put down and destroy all these kingdoms and destroy everything that exercises rule, authority, or power on earth. How can the servants of Christ and the subjects of his kingdom enter into, strengthen, and build up that which Christ and his kingdom are commissioned to destroy? How can a Christian enter into and serve the human? How can he divide his fealty, his love, his means, and his time, his talent, between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of the evil one? Death came with the rule of the devil. All that came with him must be destroyed by Christ, 
must be rooted out as not planted by the hand of God. Jesus conquered death. Why does he permit it then to run riot on all that pertains to earth? Death came as a result of sin. It results from sin, yet is the boundary line of sin. Beyond death, active sin cannot go. Death must remain then until man ceases to sin, else man would be a sinner on earth forever. But when all sin and rebellion, all the institutions of the evil one have been destroyed, then death as the last enemy itself shall be destroyed. When death is destroyed, the mortal will be clothed with immortality, and death will be swallowed up in victory. This passage from 1 Corinthians 15 is so in harmony with the prophecy of Daniel, the teaching of Christ, and the constantly declared end of Christ's mission on earth that its meaning cannot be mistaken. Christians cannot support, participate in, be a part of that which Christ commissions them to destroy. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, Moses Much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore we, receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, Let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12, verse 25. Here is a promise of removing all things save the true kingdom which cannot be moved or destroyed. Our God is a consuming fire. To consume what? Not his own kingdom that cannot be moved, but all these earthly kingdoms that have grown up under the dominion of the evil one. These will be destroyed by the consuming fires of divine wrath. The exhortation of the apostle is, Seeing these things are true, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. The ground of this exhortation is, If we serve these earthly kingdoms, we shall be destroyed with them. We must share the destiny of the kingdom we serve. If a man identifies himself with an earthly kingdom, sustains and upholds it, he must share its destiny. Of the same purport precisely is the language of Second Peter chapter 3, verse 5. For this they are willingly ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? 
Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth, in which dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. The earth and the works therein shall be burned up. What works? Not God's works. Not the kingdom which cannot be moved and that shall stand forever. But the works, the institutions which have grown up under the rule of the devil in this world. They are to be destroyed, to be burned up, while the kingdom of God as the ark of safety will ride the sea of fire, bearing all committed to its keeping into the new heavens and to the new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. We think to those who will study these things there can be no possible doubt but that the kingdoms of the world, the human kingdoms, were formed by man in rebellion against God that these kingdoms or governments were the organized rebellion of man against God, that God determined to destroy these governments, and that in destroying them he will destroy all those who sustain and uphold these governments and become identified with them, that God determined to destroy these governments, and that in destroying them he will destroy all those who sustain and uphold these governments and become identified with them, Daniel declared that the kingdom of God should break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and that it should fill the whole earth and stand forever. Christ recognized the kingdoms of the earth as the kingdoms of the devil, and that they should all be rooted up, that all the institutions of earth save the kingdom of heaven should be prevailed against by the gates of hell. Paul declared the civil ruler was ordained of God for the punishment of evil doers a work which he expressly declared Christians could not do, but which the kingdoms of the evil one were ordained to do. He declared the exercise of the civil authority to be a bearing the sword to execute vengeance and wrath. He told the disciples they could not execute wrath, and that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 showing clearly that the Christians could not use these civil powers to promote righteousness, morality, or good to humanity. Christians cannot use them. They are to serve God in earnestness and loving loyalty and in the spirit of meekness and love to obey Him, and He will so bless us. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Under this Scripture we may expect, if not specific precepts, at least general directions for man's guidance in all the relationships of life. We do find directions for guiding Christians as parents and children, as husbands and wives, as masters and servants, as neighbors and strangers, as friends and enemies, as those who do wrong and those who suffer wrong. Guidance is given Christians in every possible relationship into which a Christian may enter, except that of civil ruler or manager of the affairs of the governments of earth, if it be admissible for him to be this. The Christian's duty as subject of earthly governments is definitely revealed, but not a word nor an example is given as to his duty or the rules that should govern him as a manager or ruler in human governments. 
And yet this is the most important relationship involving the weal or woe of a greater number of human beings than any other relationship into which he may enter, if it be lawful for him to enter this. Why this failure to prescribe duty here, except on the ground that these earthly kingdoms are of the evil one, and have grown up in rebellion against God, and the mission of the church and the children of God is to displace and destroy them with the divine government? They are ordained of God to punish evil, to execute wrath and vengeance, and for the government and punishment of those who refuse to be governed by God themselves in turn to be destroyed together with those who are indissolubly wedded to them. It is the duty of the Christian to submit to the human government in its office and work and to seek its destruction only by spreading the religion of Christ, and so converting men from service to the earthly government to service to the heavenly one, and so too by removing the necessity for its existence and work. No violence, no sword, no bitterness or wrath can he use. The spread of the peaceful principles of the Savior will draw men out of the kingdoms of earth into the kingdom of God. But no man can serve two masters. He will love the one and despise the other. Two distinct and antagonistic spirits dwell in the two institutions. A man must drink of the spirit of the institution which he serves.